Have you ever wondered who is doing the research that will impact your future? The Research Podcast lets you meet those people and learn how the University of Kentucky is exploring and strengthening our understanding of the world through research and discovery. Here's Alicia Gregory, Director of Research Communications. Today we'll meet Sarah Welling from the UK College of Law. She's the Ashton Spears Distinguished Research Professor of Law and the Laramie L. Leatherman Professor of Law. She focuses on criminal law and she has consulted with Congress and the CIA on money laundering. She begins by telling us how she ended up in Kentucky. I grew up in Evanston, Illinois, which is the first suburb north of Chicago. And I went to the public schools there and then I went to college at the University of Wisconsin at Madison. So how'd you end up at Kentucky? Well, my sister, who was older than I was, was accepted here, and she and her husband were both accepted for a PhD program. She was in clinical psychology. And so she moved here while I was in college, and after I got out of college, I didn't have a job. I was a history major. I came to visit Martha, my sister, and our family had no connections with Lexington or Kentucky, but she was like in her second year of a PhD program, and I came to visit her. And then pretty soon my, my dad said, you know, Sarah, you've got a college degree, now you have to go support yourself. And I was a little dumbfounded. At any rate, I got a job in Frankfurt as an industrial resources representative. And I did that for a year. And then when I was a state resident, I applied to law school, and I went to law school here. So I came to visit her and just never went away. So what motivated you to go into law? There was a little process of elimination going on. There wasn't going to be any science or math in my future. I had good luck writing and good luck with words. So um, it seemed to me the funnest thing to do with words. And nobody in my family had ever been a lawyer. So it appealed to me to set out and be the first. So tell me a little bit about what research looks like in the field of law. There are two kinds of research I do. One is I write what's called a horn book, which is a description of the law. And what I do is I look at the data, which for us is court decisions and statutes, and I summarize that into a coherent statement of the law for practicing lawyers. I like doing that a lot, but that's not my most interesting project. My most interesting project is that I work on jury instructions. Kentucky is in the Federal Sixth Circuit, which has Ohio, Michigan, Kentucky, and Tennessee. And in the Sixth Circuit, we have drafted a set of pattern jury instructions that are sort of a default, like trial courts can use these instructions unless there's something very weird and different going on. And so the challenge with those is to take fairly complicated cases, distill them into language that is an accurate restatement of the case, but is still enough plain English that you're communicating to the jury. So it's sort of like translating. It's like taking really formal, complex, legal concepts and translating them into terms that a jury can absorb. And that's fun for me because I like to fool around with words. I like writing words. I like writing words clearly and, and I like taking really complex words and making them simple but clear and fair. 
there are all kinds of studies about juror comprehension. And it turns out juror comprehension of the instructions that trial judges give them is pretty low. Of course, now, see, as lawyers, we're not so worried about that as we are accurately communicating what the appellate court decision said. But meanwhile, the jury is sitting there like, what? Say what? What did they say? So we're trying to make them both accurate but plain English. The jury instructions, that's not about the process. It's about the substance of what's criminal and what's not. And it's in the federal system as opposed to the state system. The website mentions you have done things on money laundering. I have. One of my earliest and biggest, most successful publications was on money laundering. And it was about people who were doing a process called smurfing. And partly I was drawn to it because of the silly nickname. But, you know, I thought that, what a fabulous marketing idea. So smurfing broke out during the height of the drug wars when drug dealers in cities were generating such voluminous money that just the bulk of it became a problem. So they had to get it into the banking system. So they would hire people to go and stand in line at banks and convert $9,900 into a cashier's check. And the reason they did that was that at the $10,000 level, that transaction would have been reported to the federal government. So they didn't want that. And, and, and that was the whole point of the reporting requirement, was to create a paper trail uh, so that you could track large cash transactions. Well, um, pretty soon drug dealers would rent charter airplanes and fly a bunch of people into, see they didn't want to stand in line in New York or Chicago, so they'd fly into Nebraska and several people would hit a bank and simultaneously stand in each different teller line. And the guys in the DEA who are only slightly less colorful than the dealers themselves, <laughs> the guys in the DEA nicknamed them Smurfs. So yeah, that's how I got started. So I had a lot of fun and I still follow the money laundering law real carefully. That's fascinating. I had no idea. It's a hoot. <laughs> yeah. So what are you doing right now? Right now I'm trying to take a federal statute called the Hobbs Act. That's its name. And it basically sets up three crimes. It sets up robbery. That's physically taking property from someone. So it's not like you fake them out with documents. It's like you physically yank it off their person. It's a crime of violence. The other two crimes it covers though are, are forms of extortion. And that's more like you get them to give it to you. You get the victim to give the money to the defendant, but they're not happy about it. It's either bribery or they're doing it out of fear or something. So. In the federal system, the statute is poorly drafted and the Supreme Court decisions on it are so obtuse. And the one that I'm struggling with right now is this most recent one, United States versus McDonnell, where the governor of Virginia got convicted for bribery. And I'm trying to take the lessons of McDonnell, that case, and roll it into a jury instruction that plainly describes the crime of bribery. 
we're going to have a meeting on August 9th in Cincinnati to see if we're getting close. That sounds challenging. It is. In fact, what the Supreme Court just concluded about Governor McDonald was that he didn't do bribery. So they narrowed the crime, and we need to be sure to have our instructions reflect this new narrowing. Yeah, so it's tricky. Plus, of course, with bribery, the whole thing is that it's a conspiracy. There are no real victims. Everybody's on the inside of it. So it's very difficult to investigate and prosecute. If people reach an agreement with just knowing winks and nods, it's very difficult. Yeah. So how did you end up choosing academia versus practicing law? I did well in law school, and I liked it. I thought it was fun. The idea of doing something that you can do well is is huge. And then I, I clerked for a judge for one year here in Lexington, and then I practiced for two years in Chicago, and I didn't like it as well as law school. <laughs> when I got a chance, I went through the law school's hiring conference. And sometimes we colloquially refer to it as the meat market because what happens is everybody who wants to go into teaching signs up for this conference and we all go to this Sheraton Hotel in Washington, D.C. and everybody rotates wildly around every half hour. So when I went to that, I got a job to offer to come back to Kentucky. So I was very happy. Tell me a little bit about uh, the most rewarding part of working with UK law students. They're not at all brimming with entitlement. You know, they're very, very nice people, very enthusiastic. Generally, of course, the only ones in law school are the ones who wanted to go and worked hard to get there. I mean, they didn't just roll into law school. They're very smart. So it's weird to stand in front of a class of 60 really smart people who've never studied criminal law and just listen to their thoughts. It's real fun. And when I see lawyers out in practice or judges, as you mature, it seems more and more enticing to be around youth. And it's just fun and energizing to be around them. And so it's a cool career. What have you liked best about working at UK? I like all my peers that I work with. You know, they're they're real smart people. I've always been happy to be around real smart people just because they don't miss a thing, but they're not know-it-alls. And I like just talking to them because you are never casting your pearls before swine. They are catching it all and helping you. I mean, I've also here at UK, been around people at the law school who I think are unequivocally smarter than I am. And that's sort of fun. You wouldn't want it to be your whole thing, but it's fun to see it happen. I have a friend who's a law professor at Duke, and that's, of course, a way fancier school. And she said that from time to time, she's jealous of people like me who work at sort of more the frontline school because our chance to provide value added to the students is much higher. You know, she's gonna get at Duke Law School, uh, you know, a whole bunch of people who are real smart and real entitled and they all went to prep schools and her chance to really, really help them is maybe not as obvious or enduring 
as my chance to help people at the state law school. I love that it's the state law school. That's, that, I guess that's my favorite part. Sometimes when I get exposed to other professors, they are in an ivory tower. They really are. Whereas with the law, for criminal law anyway, everybody has a right to a jury trial. And if you can't convince 12 people unanimously to find that person guilty, then it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what's going on. And, and so in some ways, being a law professor is really grounded. You can't ever wig off into the atmosphere. In criminal law, if you can't get people to understand why that conduct is bad, why it's a crime, then you're nowhere. And so that's one thing that I think is really appealing about it. Thank you for listening to The Research Podcast. To subscribe to our podcasts on SoundCloud or iTunes, search University of Kentucky Research Media and visit our site, reveal.uky.edu.